Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for joining us for worship. And uh, worship team, thank you for leading us today as we consider the fact that regardless of what we go through, it is well with our soul knowing that one day we will see uh, the resurrected Christ ascend. And uh, that's not just a hope. That is a, uh, that is a true fact that will take place in our life. And so we're thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, open up to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we're going to finish... Uh, the first chapter this morning, and we're going to close out James's discussion on the Word of God today and our response to that. If you're visiting with us, let me extend my word of welcome to you and say thank you for being uh, here today, and uh, we appreciate uh, you joining us uh, today. As you're turning there, let me uh, do a little scenario with you. I want you to imagine with me, let's just pretend for a second, uh, that I own a business and you work for me. In fact, we're going to imagine that you're my executive assistant, each and every one of you. And I own this business here on the state side, but I've decided that I am going to extend this business across the sea. And so what I uh, am going to do is I'm going to travel and I'm going to be in Europe for six to eight months. I'm going to take my family with you and I'm going to put you in charge of the company uh, here on the state side. And what I'm going to do is while I'm gone, I'm going to write you letters. And in those letters, I'm going to give you everything you need to know. All of the expectations, all of the responsibilities. Word for word, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And all you need to do is read those letters and put them into practice. And so I finally decide to go and you're left in charge. Well, uh, over the course of those few months, you have received those letters from Europe. Over and over again, almost on a daily basis, you have received these letters and you have had these responsibilities to do and you knew what you were supposed to do. Well, I finally came back and when I came back, the next few days, I went to the business, I went to the company and as I pulled into the parking lot, uh, I was shocked because I noticed that there were weeds and there was grass grown up and uh, things were not taken care of. I walked inside of the company and there was the receptionist with her feet on the desk, painting her nails and listening to the radio. At that point, I'm a little frustrated with you because as my executive assistant, you haven't done what you were supposed to do. Well, I walked down the hallway and I was looking for you, and I noticed that there was a, a crowd, a, a group of people that were supposed to be working, but instead they were in the breaker room doing nothing. And so I said to them, I said, where is so-and-so? I was looking for you. And they said, well, he's, or she, she's probably, or he's probably in that back room. And so I walked to the back room, and there you are playing checkers with the sales manager. So I get your attention and I bring you into my office, which I just discovered as I walked into my office that uh, it had been turned into a television room to watch the mid-afternoon soap operas. So at that point, I'm a little perturbed with what is going on. And I said, what in the world is going on here? I said, did you not receive the letters that I wrote to you? You look back at me and you said, letters? Oh yeah, I, I received all of those Letters. In fact, they were really good letters. They, they were so good that we decided to actually organize Wednesday night studies of these letters. And, and we got together and we studied these letters and we were so impacted by these that we broke the company up into small groups and we met throughout the weeks and we would actually study all of these letters together. People were so passionate about these letters that we decided to actually memorize 
some of the phrases that you wrote. In fact, some people were so impacted by it that they would memorize the whole letter that you would write. I mean, we were so impacted by these things. And, and they made such an impact that we did all of these things. So I said to you, I, I said, well, that's great to hear that you studied the letters. It's great to hear that you received the letters. And it's great to hear that you even memorized these letters. But what did you do with the letters? You said, do? We didn't do anything with these letters. We just received them. Friend, the American church today is similar to that illustration. Many of us come to the Word of God in the American church today, and you know what we do? We hear the Word of God, we receive the Word of God, but we don't do anything about it. And the Bible says when you do not practice what the Word of God says, you are immature. You are not growing up in your faith. And this is James' whole concern in the next few verses that we're going to look at today. He is concerned that we not only receive the Word, but that we take the Word and we actually practice it. We put into practice what is preached. In fact, I believe that's the whole point of the message today. If you're taking notes this morning, you can see on the back of the Connect, or if you're taking notes there in your notebook, you can see that I think the main point that James is trying to get across to us this morning is that we are called to live out what we listen to from the Word of God. We are called to live out what we listen to from the Word of God. James has told us to receive it, in verses 19 through 21, he told us how to receive it, how to allow the Word of God to change us, to control us. But then he makes a logical step, and he says that if you are really going to respond to the Word, you can't just receive it. You are to put it into practice. You are to obey it. But the question is, how? Or what are we supposed to do when we come to obey the Word of God? I believe in our text today, if you're in James chapter 1... We're going to see in verses 22 through 27 three things, three things that we must remember if we want to live out what we listen to from the Word of God. Three things that we need to remember. Notice verse 22 there if you're in James chapter 1. Look what James says here. He says, Be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. Because if you are a hearer, he says, you are deceiving yourself, your own selves, if you just hear the word. James says there's another step here. But I want, I want you to see this here for a second. I, I just feel like I, I, need to, I need to just pause here for a second. And I apologize. I keep playing with my mic here. I, it, my ear is misshaped, okay? And so if it falls off, it's, it's the ear's fault, okay? Um, I just want to pause here for a second and just preach to you for, for, for a moment. Because I, I believe the word of God is, is so important for our lives that we can't miss this. We do have to be doers of the word, but you can't be a doer of the word until you first listen to the word of God, okay? You can't become a, a, a person who practices the word until you actually sit under the word of God. And I believe the most important place, the primary place that this takes place, that the primary place that you listen to the word of God is on Sunday morning when the word of God is preached, and I believe that not just because I'm a preacher, 
But I believe your soul has to be impacted by the preaching of God's word on a regular basis. And a lot of the reasons we have problems today in our society, a lot of the reasons that families are falling apart is because I believe we have taken our children, we've taken our grandchildren, we've taken ourselves out of the service. We've literally removed ourselves from hearing God's word preached. And we miss that, and when we do, we have problems because if we're ever going to be impacted, if we're ever going to be changed, if we're ever going to be making a difference, it's going to begin by sitting under the Word of God. The Word of God. And let me just speak to you today who are parents. Your children and grandparents, your grandchildren need to be in church. Listen, they they need to be sitting under the preaching of God's Word and the teaching of God's Word today. Now, I went off last week a little bit because I I really believe this is so important. There is not not anything in this life that is more important than being under God's Word. And you you have to make sure yourself is there, but you also have to make sure your, your family is there as well. And by the way, if you're looking for a church this morning, let me... Let me, uh, visitors usually don't get spoken to, you know, when you, when you first come to a church. But let me just speak to you who, who maybe are looking for a church today. You should always choose a church based upon its preaching. Does it preach the Bible? Okay, here is the problem. We primarily choose churches based upon something other than the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying the children's ministry is bad, and I'm not saying that the youth ministry is bad, or the senior ministry, or any ministry for that reason is bad. They are good things. But if you are choosing a church based upon that reason, if you are coming to church based upon that reason, it's a problem. It's a problem. Does the church preach the Word of God? Why? Because your soul needs to be fed. Your soul needs to be fed by what the Word of God says, not the social media outlets. Not, not the news channels, not the politician today, friend. Your soul needs to be fed by what God's Word says. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Let me just step down now. <laughs> I believe that's so important, though. If we don't listen to it first, we're never going to obey it. And again... I've just watched the, the generation today that's below me, and even my generation. I think about uh, just the most atheistic generation we have today uh, are your children and your grandchildren, the, the, the Gen Z, the, mo- the, the people that are going from the Lord. And a lot of the reason is, is not just because of Satan's influence. Of course, it's Satan's influence, but it's because we, we ourselves have pulled them out of church. And uh, we're never going to see a difference unless we're sitting under God's Word. But we can't just do that. We can't just do that. James says, verse 22, what does he say? Be ye a doer. You got to put into practice what you hear from God's word. You got to be able to say, I'm going to do what God's word says, and I'm going to obey it. And what what James does here is he gives us a couple illustrations. He says, if you want to live out what you listen to, here are a couple illustrations. And in the first part of this illustration, he's going to give us the first thing we need to do. If you want to listen to and live out the Word of God, the first thing you need to remember is this. You need to remember what not to do. You need to remember what not to do. He begins with the wrong example to follow. Notice verse 23. Notice verse 23 here. He says this, For if any be a hearer of the Word, 
and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Or some of your translations might say in a mirror. It's, it's like a man who comes up to a mirror and, and looks into it, but then what does he do? He, he, verse 24 says, he walks away from it. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. And straightway, what does he do? He forgetteth what manner of man he was. In a, really, in a sense of humor, James is coming to the text and he's saying that that's kind of odd. You know, why would anybody walk up to a mirror and see a problem and then walk away from it? You know, none of us woke up today this morning, and uh, we woke up and we went to the mirror, and we just came to church like that, right? I mean, there was some really uh, deep repair <laughs> taking place in our, in our bathrooms this morning. I didn't just wake up and uh, say, this is the way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look and come to church. You know, we, we fix ourselves up. We, we probably fixed our, our, our bed head this morning which I appreciate that, especially uh, you, Ron Crum. I'm glad that you chose to <laughs> fix your bedhead this morning. We, 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 all, we all seek to repair ourselves in the morning when we look into the mirror. And by the way, James's choice of words here is interesting to me. If you look at verse 23, he, he chooses not the generic term for a man, but the specific word for a man. And I think that's interesting to consider. And it really hits home the point here. Because if you think about a man for a second, okay? If you think about a man, a, a man will glance into the mirror, but what does a woman do? A woman gazes, right? A, a man may glance and look at the mirror, and he may say, well, uh, that's not too bad. <laughs> and the woman probably says, I can't believe it's that bad. <laughs> or the man may, may look into the mirror, and he may, he may say, yeah, that's me. And the woman says, I can't believe that's me, you know? A, a, a man may glance, but a, a woman's going to gaze. I, I remember the first, one of the first items Hannah put on our wedding registry was not a grill, although I would appreciate that, or not a, not a tool chest. It was an ear and nose trimmer, okay? An ear and nose trimmer, believe it or not. You know how many times I've thought about my ear hair and nose hair before I married Hannah? Not once. <laughs> not once. <laughs> Now I get like a weekly reminder to trim those things, you know, because it's apparently embarrassing to be seen with me like that, you know. <laughs> uh, while I'm on it, let me add this too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did not know there, there were different types of um, shampoo or conditioners for your hair until I married Hannah too, okay? Like when I, when I um, you know, live by myself, there were all those, there were all those like three-in-one shampoo bottles. You know what I mean? Like you got the conditioner, you got the shampoo, and you got the body wash, okay? You don't even need a bar of soap when you got those three-in-one items, okay? So, so I had that, you know? Well, when I married Hannah, I became cultured, okay? I was cultured. Like there, there's a different bottle for each item. You have the conditioner, and you have the shampoo, and you have the body wash, and then you have some for like the rough hair, and the soft hair, and the thick hair, and the, the thin hair. Man, now I come out of the shower smelling like Bed Bath & Beyond, I'm telling you. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm learning to be cultured. And, and, and what's so interesting about that illustration is the fact that James uses it to say, Listen, a woman comes to a mirror, and she's not going to walk away from it, but a man... He might just do that. <laughs> he might come to the mirror and not do anything. And James's context here is referring to the Word of God. And for the Christian, he's saying, listen, the Christian may come to the Word of God, 
He may come to the mirror of God's Word. And when he steps in front of the mirror, he's going to see himself. He's going to see his sin. The Christian's going to see his problem. And not only is he going to see his sin, but he's going to see the depth of it too. The depravity of your sinful soul. And he, he's going to see that Romans 3.10 is correct. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We all mess up. And the, and the natural man is going to see all that for himself. But there's a danger. There's a danger here. Verse 24 says that that man may come to the Word of God and he may see all his problems, but he's going to be deceived. If he's not careful, if he follows the wrong path, if he goes the wrong way, he's going to be deceived, as verse 22 says. And he's going to walk away thinking that he doesn't have a problem. Thinking that he doesn't need to change. Thinking that if he just hears the word of God, he'll be okay. Thinking that if he just shows up for the Bible study fellowships and just hears it, he'll be okay. Or the day five events on Thursday or the youth events we have or the young adult classes we have. If he just shows up for those things, if she just throws up for those things, she'll be okay. And James says, no, you're deceiving yourself if you think you just hear the word and not practice it. You're deceiving yourself. The word there, deceive, in verse 22, has the idea literally of cheating or defrauding yourself. And in this context, what is he referring to? Spiritual growth. He's saying that you're cheating yourself literally out of spiritual growth. You're remaining immature. You're not becoming the person that you need to become when you don't practice what the Word of God says. I, uh, I am surprised sometimes when I consider... Uh, generations today when they come to school, you know, there's a problem, and it's always been a problem, but even today with, with, the, uh, with the tools like, you know, Google and the internet, you're, you're able to really find a quick answer. You know, teachers used to say you're not going to be able to have a calculator in your pocket. Well, now you literally have a calculator in your pocket, okay? Like we have solutions or we have ways to cheat really easily today. Well, I teach a class at one of the local Christian uh, colleges here in the area, and I am shocked sometimes at the amount of uh, students that actually try to cheat, okay? I remember one time I had this student who took this class, and sometimes they think that I don't grade these things or that I don't really care about it. Uh, and so I remember one time this, this student wrote this uh, post, and it wasn't really that good, okay? And he probably wrote that post for a couple uh, few weeks, and it wasn't really that good. Well, by the fifth week, he wrote this post that sounded like a college professor wrote it. And, you know, I got caught off guard there a little bit. I said, you know, what is going on here? That, uh, that he would go from not really passing my class to now writing like this beautiful mosaic, right? How in the world did he, did he write this thing? Well, what I did, you know, I'm smart too sometimes. I, I, I took it and I copied and pasted this thing and I put it into Google. And you're not going to believe it when I hit enter. You know what? That first article, he copied word for word that answer. So you know what I did? Gave him a zero and wrote in there and said, hey, look, I found the source you used. <laughs> I am shocked sometimes at the amount of students that actually cheat. You know, first of all, they forget that I'm a teacher and I have eyes in the back of my head. Okay, number one. And then secondly, I'm just shocked like morally, but also the fact you're cheating yourself out of it. I mean, if you cheat today... In education, you're, you're cheating yourself. I mean, you're paying for that, or, or really somebody's paying for that. And you're not really becoming what you're supposed to be becoming. 
Okay, you may pass the class, but you're not learning the material. You're cheating yourself. And James says it's the same way. When you don't practice what the Word of God says, when you come on Sunday morning, when you come on a, on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, and you just sit there and listen, but you never put into practice what you hear, you're cheating yourself. You're not becoming like Christ. When you say, Pastor Nick, I, I want to be a different person. I, I want to be a doer of the Word. What, what can I, I do? Well, there's so many answers to this question, but what I thought I'd do is I just thought I'd take a few minutes and I'd share three things from my own life. Now, I'm not an expert. I don't have all the answers, and this isn't exhaustive, but maybe you're here and you say, I really need to do a better job of putting into practice what is preached. Here are three things you can do in your life. You can take these down. Number one, I think you need to get accountability. You, you got to get somebody that's going to push you to practice what you hear. I've said this before, you will never grow in holiness without help. You will never grow in holiness without help, without somebody pushing you to live a godly life. So get accountability. Number two, number two, keep the word of God in front of you. This is easy. Keep the word of God in front of you. Maybe the pastor says something uh, or, or the, the Sunday school teacher says something, or the Bible study fellowship leader says something, or, or you hear something somewhere on the radio. You hear a Bible verse, you, you hear a thought, write it down. Simple as that. Write it down, put it somewhere where you can see it on a daily basis. A lot of times we don't put the Word of God into practice because we don't keep it in front of us. You, you got to keep the Word of God in front of you. Number three, number three, make sure, make sure you ask God to help you. A lot of times we don't receive God's help because we don't ask for God's help. When you think about the all-powerful creator of the universe is there. As we talked about in verse number five, he's there to give you wisdom. I know the context is the midst of trials, but he's there in the midst of your suffering to give you help. So you call out to him. Make sure to ask God for help. I want you to see this too. Not only are we called to remember what not to do. My mic. I'm sorry. Let me, let me just keep my hands. Sometimes I move too much here. We got to remember what not to do. But also number two, I want you to see this. Am I doing something? Okay. I can just, I can stand still, I promise. Okay, here we go. I think, I think. What not to do, but you also have to remember, see this now, what to do. You've got to remember what to do, the right example to follow. Notice verse 25. James is going to continue the illustration here. He goes on to say, you know, the first person is the forgetful hearer, but the second person is the one who is the effectual doer. Verse 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty... And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. I love this. James says the word, the perfect law of liberty. When you come to that, you are to put it into practice. You are to do it. And when you do it, you are blessed. The word there for, for look has the idea, and some of your translations actually... Uh, translate this way, but it means to intently look into. Literally, you are bending over a table, is the word picture there, and you're looking into a mirror and you're gripped by what you see. 
You're gripped by your sin. You're focused on your sin. You're absorbed into your own life. You see the natural man for who he is, and you're gripped by it. The word there also has the idea of humility as well. You're you're, you're looking into and you're bending over the word of God with humility. You're acknowledging that you are a sinner and that there's nothing that you can do. You see, because pride, if you think about it in your life, pride fogs up the mirror, doesn't it? If you have pride in your heart today, you're not really going to see yourself for who you really are. You're not going to see yourself for the sinner that you are, that the sinner I am. Because pride tries to find an excuse. Pride tries to find a way out of the problem, out of the situation. But the Bible says that the natural man, the one who looks into the law of liberty, has humility. He sees, Romans 7, Paul says, he sees that he's a wretched man. He sees that he's a sinner. But he does something different. What does he do? Verse 25 says he obeys. He doesn't walk away. He, he doesn't become a forgetful hearer. He becomes a doer of the work. And he humbly accepts that he's a problem and he needs to obey. I love this. Robert Chapman, who was a contemporary of F.B. Meyer and Charles Spurgeon, they, they would call him one of the saintliest men they ever knew. He was giving some advice to a missionary at one point who was about to leave for the field. And he, he gave this advice, and I thought it was good. He said this. He said, keep low, look up, and press forward. Keep low, look up, and press forward. In other words, keep low, be humble. Number two, look up, learn from Jesus. And then what does he say? Press forward, keep going. Do what the Word of God says. And friend, it's the same thing for you. You are to humble yourself before the Word of God. You are to learn from God's Word, but then don't stop there. You also have to do it. You have to put it into practice. And when you do that, verse 25 at the end there, reminds us that when we do that, this man shall be blessed. See, true happiness in this life doesn't come from following the things of this world. We know that as a Christian in our minds, but sometimes our hearts go after things that they shouldn't. My heart is deceitful. My heart is wicked. Without Jesus Christ, I don't have what I need. And you know what I do is I go after things that I shouldn't. I go after things that are, are wrong and I think they're going to bring me happiness, but God reminds us, and James says it, that when we go after the things of God, when we do what the Word of God says, that's where true happiness is found. It's where freedom is found too. You know, really, true freedom is found in obeying God's Word. True, true freedom is found in following what God's word says. It's not found in the things of this world. It's not found in the, in the chains and the bondage of sin. Not in the pleasures of this world. It's found in, 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 God's, in God's word. So we listen to it. We obey it. And by the way, when we come to the word of God, we have to remember that there's no exceptions when it comes to what God's word says. I read this week, I thought it was good, one author put it this way, he said, when God puts a period, don't change it to a question mark. When God puts a period, don't change it to a question mark. See, the Word of God is not a buffet that we come to. Buffet's fun. You get to pick and choose what you want to eat and what you don't want to eat. Like if you don't want the pizza with the mushrooms on it, you don't got to have the pizza with the mushrooms on it. You can choose what you want. Listen, God's word is not a buffet. God's word is the dinner table at your home. You eat what's in front of you, right? When I was a child, my mom put a plate in front of me. Guess what? I had to eat it. And if I didn't, guess what? I don't eat. 
I don't eat. I eat what's in front of me. God's word's the same way. It's the dinner table at your home. You obey what's in front of you. You don't get a pick. It's, you don't get to put a question mark. Where God put a, a period, you obey. You obey. And that's when you find happiness in this life. And the Bible promises that. Promises that. Number three. Number three, and I'll finish up here. Not only are you to remember what not to do, not only are you to remember what to do, but you also have to remember how to do it. You have to remember how to do it. This is the right way to live. What James does here in the final two verses of chapter 1, and I love this, he basically gives us examples of what it looks like to live out God's Word. He, he, he shows us the united picture of listening to God's word and living out God's word. So when you hear it and do it, here's what it's going to look like in your life. And by the way, if you're sitting there today and you're questioning this in your own life, you can take these three examples and you can put it into practice in your own life. And you can say, hey, am I this type of person? And if you are, you can see that you're a doer of the word. Notice the first one is a controlled tongue. A person who does the word and hears the word controls his or her tongue. Verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. If you really want to look at your life today, if you want to look at your heart and you want to see if you're obeying God's word, look at how you control your tongue. I mean, that's, that you say, well, that's so simple. But what you see in James is that's a continuous theme in James. In fact, in chapter 3, when we get there, uh, we will see that James actually talks about the tongue for several verses because it's really the heart of the issue. Like, if you can control your tongue, uh, it really shows that you are obeying God's word. So does your 9 to 5 tongue, the tongue that you use from 9 to 5 every day at work, does it mimic or does it copy the word of God that you read that morning? Or you think about it, does the tongue that you use from Monday to Saturday match what you hear on Sunday? See, if we're really going to be obedient to God's word, we have to learn to control our tongue. Number two, number two, I want you to see this. Not only are you to have a controlled tongue, but you also are to have a compassionate spirit. You need to have a compassionate spirit. Verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To what? To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. If you want to know if you're obeying God's word, look at how you take care of those in need. Literally, look at how you take care. And in this context, it's referring to those who are orphans, those who are fatherless, but then also to the widows. So I just want to speak to you a second. When was the last time that you spoke to a widow here in the church? When was the last time that you actually took a widow out to lunch? When was the last time you actually took care of the yard for a widow? I mean, we, we have those, the shut-ins. We have a list of shut-ins that, that some are widows and some, some are uh, those who, who, who have lost a spouse. I mean, have you considered them? The Bible says if you're a doer of the word, you will. But what about the children that don't have a father? What about the children in the community? What about the children who live next door to you? They don't have a mother. They need a father figure. They need a mother figure. Have you reached out to them? Have you taken care of them? The Bible says a doer of the word is someone who is compassionate. Be a compassionate person. So you control your tongue. You have a compassionate spirit. And then lastly, you'll see here, 
if you are somebody who does the word and hears the word, you'll watch the character of your life. You'll watch the character of your life. The end of verse 27 says this, and to keep himself or herself unspotted from the world. The word there for world has the idea of the world's thinking, literally the, the world's system. And it doesn't take long for us to look around today that uh, we need to watch. We need to be careful what we put into our minds because the world is working overtime. Satan, the world, the flesh, the, I mean, all of those things are working to make sure that we fall into sin. And so we keep ourselves unspotted. We, we keep ourselves pure. We keep ourselves clean. We come to the Word of God, and we are controlled by the Word of God. We do what the Word of God says instead of what the world says. Right? And the Bible says that if you're going to be a doer, number one, you control your tongue. Number two, you have a compassionate spirit. And number three, you watch the character of your life. Listen, friends, we are to listen to the word of God, but we all, all also must live it out. We must live it out. And to do that, and to do that, we have to remember what not to do, what to do, and then how to do it. And the Bible says when we do that, we become spiritually mature believers in Christ. Will you pray with me this morning? As the worship team makes their way up here, I want to close the service without giving an opportunity for those who are here this morning to respond to the preaching of God's word. We don't, again, come to just hear, but we also come to respond, to act. And if you're here this morning, maybe you say, Pastor Nick, I've, I've come into this room and uh, I've never accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never come to actually know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't have to wait for a special time to do that. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You can come at any point. We're going to have the altar open. There are individuals up here who can also help you as well. If you need somebody to pray with you so that you can come to know Jesus, you have that opportunity today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Nick, I am not a doer of the word. I, I am not a person who practices what I hear. I, I'm not always uh, active in my faith. Listen, I want you to know the altar is open for you to confess that. You don't have to wait till you get home. You don't have to wait till this week. The altar is open for you to find Jesus and to confess that and to, again, get on the right track. And I pray that you'll do that this morning. Father, we're mindful of your presence today. We know that when the word of God is opened, Lord, that you speak and that you are present among us. So, God, we're grateful that this is your living word. It's sharper and active in our life. And so we pray that you bless this time. We pray you speak to hearts. The Holy Spirit move in lives today. Thank you for it. Pray for transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.